Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. So last week we kicked off this new series called Jesus Is. And last week we began the series by looking at Jesus Is My Friend. And there were really three things that we looked at. We said, first of all, Jesus is the friend of sinners. Amen. He's the friend that is always with us. And he's the friend that lays down his life for you. Greater love has no man than he that would lay down his life for his friends. What a friend we have in Jesus. Today we're going to move on to the second portion of this series, and that is Jesus is the man. Now I know that sounds kind of funny, but we're going to talk about the humanity of Jesus. What it means for God to have come into our world and to be one of us. We spend a lot of time talking about the deity of Christ. We want to prove a lot of times that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is the Son of God, that he is God in the flesh. But just as important as the deity of Jesus is the humanity of Jesus. Because it's through the humanity of Jesus that we find ourselves relating to him in a lot of ways. This morning I want to spend the majority of our time in John chapter 1, a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, John really paints a pretty clear picture of what takes place here when God becomes a man. Yeah, we're going to look at the first 14 verses of John chapter 1. John begins, he takes it all the way back to the beginning. Sounds just like Genesis. He says, in the beginning was the Word. He calls Jesus the Word in this passage. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, some of you, this is your life verse. If your name is John, write this down, John 1, 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And in John 1.14, 
is where we're going to focus our efforts this morning. John says, the word became flesh. It made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we're so grateful to be here once again, to hear from your word and to worship you. And God, as we look into the depths of your word this morning, God, I pray that you would just open our eyes to see what it means for your son to be one of us, that you came into our world, lived, died, and ministered just like one of us. Father, I ask that you would begin to grow us closer to you today. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. John makes it clear that in Jesus, God entered our realm truly in the flesh, that God Almighty became a man for us. Now, this is a difficult thing for us to comprehend. This is not a light subject that we're talking about this morning. This is some pretty deep stuff. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, The mystery of the humanity of Christ, that he sunk himself into our flesh, is beyond all human understanding. It truly is something to try and wrap your mind around. But today I want to look at five things about Jesus that deal with his humanity. The first is that it's very clear that Jesus had a human body. Yeah, we know that he had an immaculate conception. But other than that, he had a very otherwise normal entrance into our world. We don't expect this from the Son of God, and this is something we talk about at Christmas quite often but contrary to popular belief jesus didn't come into our world with golden diapers or have egyptian cotton sheets to be wrapped in no the son of god was laid in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes he didn't even have his own room or house at the time of his birth as the child got older we know that he grew his body developed like we do as a child. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, means he got bigger, and in favor with God and man. And we don't have a lot of information about Jesus' childhood. The Gospels kind of go from his birth straight into the final years of his life, dealing with his, his ministry and his his death, burial, and resurrection. It's more about Christ's death than his, than his life, really. But we can imagine that the life of Christ was very much like any other Palestinian boy in the first century. We can imagine he played, he had fun, probably fell down and got hurt, like any of us other boys. We know he learned, he hungered, he thirsted. We know that he went with his parents to Jerusalem every year as a child. He traveled. We read of his travels later in his life, and we know that in his travels he got tired, he got weary. Very likely he got sick from time to time, just like I'm experiencing this morning with this cold that's going around. We know for sure and for certain that he felt pain. In short, Jesus lived and died like every other man. His body was just like our body. We also know that in addition to having a human body, Jesus had human experiences. This is 
very clear in his temptation in the wilderness. In his temptation, Jesus experienced our greatest temptations. First, he was tempted with food. Amen. Lord, have mercy. We know that was a big one for me and, and the rest of us. But after 40 days and 40 nights, after fasting that long for 40 days and 40 nights, he teaches us how to deny our flesh. Now, most of us, I don't know if you've tried this fasting thing, but it's hard for a lot of us to go a day or a couple of hours or a morning without any food. But after 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was tempted to fill his belly. But he conquered that temptation with God's word. Then he was tempted to test God's power and to force God's will to let him live. Then he was lastly tempted with power and, and wealth. He taught us that God alone is worthy of our worship. And if we resist the devil, <laughs> he will turn tail and run. He will flee. Jesus experienced the basic temptations that plague us all, satisfying the flesh, satisfying our human will, satisfying our longing for power and wealth and the things of this world. Jesus, through his experiences, taught us, taught humanity, how to conquer these things. He had a human body, human experiences. He also had human emotions. Now, we don't often talk about Jesus being an emotional kind of guy. You know, a lot of times in the movies, I think he's a slightly misrepresented. He kind of walks around as a pretty dry guy. He's kind of a, represented as an odd dude, really. But Jesus was an emotional person, just like we are emotional beings. For example, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was amazed, or some translations say he marveled at the faith of the centurion. Jesus was surprised. Jesus had a wow moment. On several occasions, Jesus was saddened or troubled. We read last week in the story of the death of Lazarus that Jesus wept with and for his friends. Uh, think about that for a moment. Jesus broke down and John, and he penned those words. The, the best way he didn't say Jesus cried a little bit or Jesus shed a few tears. He simply says in one verse, Jesus wept. Jesus was saddened by their grief and I think also by their unbelief. Approaching his death in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus was very sorrowful. In the garden scene, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it, it, you read that, that situation and that narrative, it seems like Jesus experienced great anxiety, that he had incredible distress. Some of, You might even think that Jesus was worried a little bit about the days and the hours that were coming, and rightfully so. Hebrews 5, 7 tells us, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Now, when we come in and we pray, we, we think we've got to be quiet. We look at reverence in a different kind of way. But the author of Hebrews says, in Jesus' reverence, he prayed with loud cries and tears. He fueled emotion into his faith in his relationship with God the Father. In one passage, we see that when people made a mockery of his father's temple, of God's house, that Jesus, he seems to become angry. 
that he had righteous indignation, as we might say. Jesus had emotions. Jesus also had a human mind. This is another one that's a little tough to wrap our feeble minds around, but Jesus had a human mind. As we discussed earlier, as a child, he grew. He developed physically and as well as mentally. But Mark chapter 13, verse 32 tells us something interesting about the mind of of Christ. Mark says, concerning that day, talking about the second coming of Jesus, or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. This seems like a problem. If Jesus is God, and God knows everything, how can Jesus not know everything? Well, it's because Jesus is also a man. Yes, he's God, but he's also a human, just like us. So Jesus, in God's incredible wisdom, united God and man into this this man, Jesus. So Jesus has both, yes, an infinite divine mind, but he also has a finite human mind. The Bible, John in particular, tells us, yeah, Jesus does know all things, but Mark points out, well, there's some things that, in his flesh, he's limited because of his human mind. And as paradoxical as this might seem to us, it's not a contradiction. <laughs> it's actually a marvelous wonder and glory of who Jesus is, that he is God and man, Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, that the nature of God and man can so perfectly unite in one person, than the person of Jesus Christ. It really is a marvelous, a wonderful thing. The last thing we see is that Jesus has a human will. This is another tricky um, subject. A lot of people try to steer clear of this one because it's, it's difficult for us to grasp that Jesus had a human will. Really, we see two wills in the person of Jesus. You're thinking, how can a person have two wills? I think I've only got one. Well, Jesus has two. And it's hard for us to grasp because, yeah, we really only have one. But Jesus is not schizophrenic. He's not mentally unstable. He's not bipolar. But in John 6, 38, Jesus makes it clear that he has come to do not just his will, but God's will. He says, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Likewise, in Matthew chapter 26, as Jesus is praying to his father, and he's agonizing in the garden, he ends his prayer with, not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, Father, but thine be done. pretty clear to me that jesus human will desired to escape the horror the agony and the pain and the suffering of the cross that's why he could pray god if there's any other way this cup passed from me jesus human will did not want to experience 
such terror, such disgrace, such pain. But Jesus taught us how to submit our human will to God's will, and he submitted his human will to God's divine will to go to the cross for us, as Paul says, to be obedient unto death, even death on a cross. So Jesus had a human body. Jesus, the man, had human experiences, human emotions. He even had a human mind and a human will. Really, Jesus was just like us in every respect. He thought our kind of thoughts. He experienced our kind of experiences. He felt as we feel. He ate, drank, and lived, died as we do. He was just like us, except for one crucial thing. The man Jesus never, ever sinned against God. Jesus took on our temptations. He left the glories of heaven and stepped into our little world. And he watched firsthand a a broken and cruel world, a fallen people. He himself was mistreated, shamed, even tortured. Still never once did he sin against God the Father. He was offered everything the world had to offer, yet he remained true to God. So what's so significant about Jesus being a man? First of all, I don't know any other God that has made the decision to be with his people, to walk and live among his people. But secondly, Jesus was not just one of us. He became one of us for us. For our sake. You see, today you can face temptation. You really can. You can face temptation because Jesus has faced temptation. You can face anything that life has to throw your way because Jesus has already walked through it before you. God became a man in order to save mankind, He experienced human emotions. To save our emotions. Lord knows we need help with that a lot of times. He experienced the human mind to save our minds. That we could begin to renew our minds. He experienced the human body to save our bodies. Thank God someday we're going to get a new body. He experienced the human will in order to save our will. That we can know how to submit our will to the will of God the Father. Just as Jesus did. David Mathis says he became man in full so that he might save us in full hallelujah what a savior he says someone else wrote if our greatest need had been for information then god would have sent us an educator if our greatest need had been for technology god would have sent us a scientist if our greatest need had been money god would have sent us an economist If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But 
Since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. And thank God that he did. Thank God that he sent Jesus, that Jesus became a man, that the Word became flesh for us. The Word became flesh. And that flesh was beaten. (laughs) That flesh was spat upon. That flesh was flogged and torn apart. That flesh was pierced and nailed to a rugged piece of wood, pinned to an old rugged cross for the sins of humanity. That flesh was crucified and executed and laid in a tomb in order to save the human race. Thank God that he sent his son to do that for us. That Jesus became a man and lived and breathed and then he died for us. Let's pray together. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.